This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation and botanicals, and each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. And again, that's cleapdrinks.com and This Family Tree 10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. And we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree podcast, episode 141. Nice. Who's on this episode? We have Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. So this is a super exciting one. I was kind of starstruck. She is a Peloton yoga instructor. So if anybody's on Peloton, I know a bunch of you are because I have you as friends. Uh, She's on that, but she also has a doctorate in education. And Chelsea is pregnant. She's in her third trimester with her first kid. So it's like a very exciting time for her. And we talked about what yoga and peace of mind might have like the place it has for expecting mothers, for parents, for women in general, and then just kind of about pregnancy and having kids. And this was a bit of an odd interview because the conversation we were having was totally happening in real time because Lucy sabotaged the entire interview. Like Shane, you came home at the end of the night and I told you about it. Were you shocked that she had done that? Uh, I think it started a habit because she's been doing it every night since. And she told me that she's allowed to come downstairs during bedtime because you said she could. Okay. So I didn't know what to do, right? So I'm talking to Dr. Chelsea. And again, like just so excited to to be talking to her. And then Lucy starts coming downstairs. It's way past bedtime. I don't know what to do. She was just acting out, jumping on the couch, trying to talk to Dr. Chelsea. Chelsea was so gracious about it and so kind about it, which was amazing because I was just mortified. And it was just a funny scenario that played out. And Lucy ended up kind of being there for the whole interview. You're going to hear her in it. She's jumping. She's throwing things. She's putting her feet in my face. She is I think at one point, like eating spaghetti that she found somewhere in the house. But it's an interesting one. And I really think that you are going to appreciate it. Dr. Chelsea has a lot of really wonderful pieces of advice and words of wisdom. But Shane, let's get into it. Cheers, my love. Tonight we are doing Seedlip Spice 94 and soda. Woo, that's spicy. (laughs) Classic combo. Non-alcoholic little cocktail for a Monday night. Which is perfect because I'm not drinking right now real alcohol because in the middle of the the big shoot, about to start an even bigger shoot for the sketch show. And I got a question about this. So listeners know, you know, Shane's prepping this comedy sketch show. We've been filming a bit this summer. Tonight, you come up to me and you go, Alex, are you still in a play that reporter? I'm like, 
what reporter and you said something about like a home alone type sketch i have no idea what you're talking about i'm game 100 percent in i've been waiting to get called up to bat and i have no idea what this is about so there's a sketch in the show where a woman is working in an office uh, but her head is like blowtorched and uh <laughs> so she has like a bald spot from being blowtorched she's being be- beaten up and then the boss is like, hey, Janice, everything okay? She's like, yep, fine. It's like, oh, you sure? And then she's like, yeah. It's like, boss like, okay, doesn't know what to do. <laughs> and then on the TV in the office, a news story comes out that this woman was home alone by two meddling kids. <laughs> and then, so the seemingly normal woman is being interviewed. She's like, those kids, they got me. They got her. They did everything. They gave me the works. And then- You'll you'll be the reporter. Okay. So wait, wait, wait. This woman was trying to break into the kid's house and they home alone her? Yeah. Oh, that's even funnier that she was trying to perform a robbery. And that's the director is having a lot of problems with this sketch. Uh, his name's Mark Myers. Some people might know him because I mentioned him quite a bit on my other podcast. But Mark is a big logic person. So the director's like, well, this wouldn't happen. She's got a normal job and she wouldn't be burglarizing another home. And I said, well, she could. And he's like, well, I'd I'd like to know an instance of that happening. And I said, well, my stepmother worked with a man, again, seemingly normal man. And he allegedly set his parents on fire to get money, did arson on their home. And he was a normal guy, took her to work, et cetera. And this is what happens. So stories like this do happen. We're just making, adding the comedy of these meddling kids, Mm -hmm. or sorry, a kid like Kevin from Home Alone got to this woman and booby-trapped her. That's amazing. I love the storyline. Really pumped to be a part of that sketch. And I do, I was thinking about it after you asked me if I had any reporter type clothing. I have so much. My job is in education. I dress like a reporter on the daily. So I am like... Very ready for this. That's news to me because you look like a hot reporter when you go to school then. <laughs> Sorry. Shane. <laughs> that was Shane, supposed to sound a lot cooler. And no, more Shane flattering. also knows that I have been starving for a little uh, recognition in that way. And I've starving for literal food because we, <laughs> I'm notorious for eating very fast. These good, this isn't an ad read by the way, but we do good food. Every night? Yeah, three times a week. Three times a week, sorry. And you eat those bowls faster than anyone I've ever seen. It's the only time you eat food like a dog would. Like, you know when you give a dog human food and it's just like, hum, hum, and it's gone? That's the way you eat these meals. Okay, cooking the food makes me hungry. I can't stand over there, like over the stove, smelling the tasty food, just dousing it in olive oil. I love olive oil. And just watching it being cooked and then the second it's in front of me i just want to mow it I, I can't help myself all that olive oil makes you eat like popeye oh that's a good one why you used to be so much <laughs> laughier then you heard a podcast and you're like i can't laugh in the mic so much now you're trying to hold back legitimately great jokes <laughs> is that a legitimately great joke all that olive oil makes you eat like Popeye? Yes. Just off the <laughs> dome here? That's pretty, okay. On an w- improv show, that would get laughs. I wouldn't be able to do that off the dome. Um, but I am really excited for that sketch. Shane, you have been hilarious in everything I've seen you in, by the way. Oh, and I need I need you. to say that because I have a big problem, and I've talked to Shane about it this weekend, about 
being nervous about what I'm putting out creatively. If mm. I'm not, you know, coming off as a good enough writer or being funny enough when I want to be funny or a good enough storyteller. And Shane is like, I mean, it's not willy-nilly throwing yourself into situations. You are doing so many hours of prep, but you are putting yourself in these situations where you are giving it your all in acting. And it's like, you are not a professional actor. You've acted before, but you're not a professional actor. And I am. Well, now you are, right? Yes. And it's kind of incredible to see you just throw yourself into it and you are doing a really great job. Like you are being very hilarious. So I commend you for that. What is your funniest thing you've seen me do i'm very curious the funniest thing well what we saw on the weekend was really funny you weren't really acting you were just posing for a pinup style photo shoot yeah i was just being myself you got you no, you got into the character really well though like just like a hot guy in the 50s at a car wash just being kind of aloof and goofy and cute but i think the seinfeld sketch so shane has a sketch can i talk about this Sure. Like the premise? Yeah. So there's a sketch and it was written by Jillian who does our TikToks. Like she's our TikTok person. We talk about her a bit on this podcast. We tick about her also. <laughs> that was a good one. See? That wasn't that good. Uh, the the olive oil one was better. No, I like that one. And uh, so she's only, is she 23 or 24? She's young. She's young. And she has never seen Seinfeld. So she doesn't get the references, which is kind of mind boggling because, you know, even when I was 16, I still got the references. But she didn't have a TV growing up. True. And so she doesn't get them, right? She's from Saskatoon or Yukon. Yukon, or Yukon Territories. Yeah. They, I don't I don't know if that's relevant, but it seems <laughs> like because I would think they'd have TVs in Yukon. Maybe but somehow, hiking. somehow being from the Yukon Makes it seem like you'd watch TV less. I don't know if that is a territorialist or not, but... I think it makes sense. It's so beautiful. You probably want to be outside in nature all the time. But anyway, she wrote this sketch about not getting Seinfeld references and people kind of making fun of her for it. And Shane, you played like her older co-worker in that who kept who was making these references. And you were hilarious. I thought you were so good. You had a stupid little... Uh, what do soul, you call that? Soul patch. And don't say that because there's someone listening out there right now... With her husband, like I'm assuming the woman put it on, and then the husband's listening, and he's got a soul patch right now, and he's hurt. Well, his probably isn't stupid. Yours was stupid. It was very hilarious looking. But it's interesting, because I showed you that sketch, and Mm -hmm. you know, it's always good to show uh, someone like you, because you haven't heard a lot of these sketches. So you're going in fresh, and you can watch it. And I'm just like, you know, looking over your shoulder, waiting to hear some laughs. Dead silence. (laughs) complete not even like just humoring me laughs and then you look over like that's funny (laughs) it did not make me feel good at all and now i'm hearing this is the funniest i've been so the funniest (laughs) i've been during this show elicited zero laughter (laughs) no you know what i i didn't really get why you wanted me to watch it so i was thinking in my head and i was like you know kind of fighting with myself and i was like does he want me to watch it for the laughs and for just like good feedback or does he want me to watch it for actual feedback? So I was trying to watch it with like, okay, what what, what cut would I make? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I was watching it for. Well, all you said was, <laughs> that's funny. It's not like you made a decision and a clear cut choice and provided any value. I, well, I told you the parts that I'd cut and it was the same parts you'd cut. Okay. But I thought it was very funny. 
And you were particularly great. All I said is, I'd cut this, this, and this. And you went, yeah. I said, that's exactly what I'd yeah, cut. okay. <laughs> but Shane, moving on. All right, so this is, it's the last week of summer. Like, our summer, I don't know where it's gone. It's been kind of hellish. It's been fun all at the same time. But Lucy starts school next week. And I got emotional. I started crying today at daycare pickup. Because it's one of her teachers, like one of her favorite teachers. It's her last day at the daycare Ever? And she was, yeah. And she was telling me that. And she's like, but it doesn't matter because the kids are going to school next week. And at least I got to be there till the end for them. She was crying? She was getting misty. And then it made me like actually cry because I'm an emotional wreck right now in every regard. Like I'm always just a millimeter away from crying. And it, it was it was a little bit emotional. And then I got to thinking about Lucy's first day of school. So this is next week. She starts junior kindergarten, goes full time. And it's like, you know, people think, oh, it's so long ago in your life. It doesn't shape you or anything. It totally shaped me. Junior kindergarten, like there's a kind of a lot of pressure on you oh, in junior kindergarten. Miss Swin? Is that your teacher? Yeah. She had a piano and my sister told me the piano talked. Oh, that's cool. And I thought that was so cool. And then I realized it didn't talk. But what happened is the melodies were so familiar that, you know, when you know a song really well, mm -hmm. a melody can almost seem like it's saying words. That's cool. So she would play very familiar melodies and it felt like the piano was talking. So I was going to ask you if you remembered, had like good memories or any memories really of your oh, kindergarten teacher. Yeah, we'd have, uh, I don't think you can have these nights but we'd have like cowboy and indian nights oh yeah you couldn't have those now and you'd eat beans really that's all you would do <laughs> you'd eat beans around like a fake fire did you ever have that <laughs> why were you doing this at night you, you weren't you pretend it was night oh so they shut like... the lights off and you'd eat beans around a fire <laughs> we would not do that we had mrs amandola she was like super lovely and I, I don't remember, like, I know we'd sing a lot of songs and whatnot, do a lot of playing, but I was trying to think of like the memories of like the kids in my class. And I could probably list you first name, last name of every kid in my class. I remember the class clowns. We had Josh Drugan, Rob Spina, uh, Eddie Sandoval. And those were like the funniest guys in the class, but they were a year older because it was like, it was always a split. And I wonder if they're still funny. I was thinking about that earlier today. I think I was the funny one in school with me and Brandon Sahazuski. Mm -hmm. I was I I would do this thing that the teacher would read a uh, a story like it would be like the turtle who walked home, and she'd be like the turtle walked home, and then I'd whisper in my friend's ear, and then he took a poop. I, I I'd be like, and then he took a shit, but I'd really say poop or something, and we'd all laugh, and it, that's where I really got the sense of. That type of laughter you can only do in school when you're not allowed to laugh, yeah. but you can't stop and you internally combust. Yes. And it was my favorite and least favorite thing at the same time. But you only get that laugh in school. No, absolutely. I know exactly that kind of laugh because I have been the kid laughing and I've also been the teacher while mm -hmm. the kids have been trying to suppress that laugh. And I wanted to ask, do you ever remember getting in trouble in yes. kindergarten? Kindergarten. Oh, no. Grade one. What was it for? Um, I was wrapping my head. No, there was these kites that these, um, I guess another class made kites. And they had them hanging from the, like the ceiling. Right. So I'd wrap my finger around them and I'd pull them down a little bit. And there was a male, a grade one teacher, was a little bit rare. 
because most of the younger grades for at that time were women. But he was a little intimidating too. He wasn't like a kind okay. grade one teacher. And I was picking my nose once and <laughs> pulling on this kite at the same time. And it was humiliating. He goes, Shane, stop picking your nose and pull it on the kite. And everyone looked. <laughs> he said that in front of the whole class. And this was a classroom that was grade one and grade two. Oh, no. And I remember, like, I was having crushes on girls at that time. Aw. Yeah, a Randy Snydero. I went to school with some Snyderos. Yeah? In high school, yeah. Yeah, she was the, the big catch. And did she have any interest in being like a play friend with you after you were picking and pulling no i could never talk to girls <laughs> but even as a young never. boy no oh really never. see all like half of my friends were boys because my class was so small i had some friends that were girls but they had to be definitive friends i could never ever talk to anyone i had an interest in like yeah. i had a girlfriend once in grade seven and I never spoke to her. One word. <laughs> so we were supposed to meet at the mall. Like it was all like broken telephone. Like yeah, you kind yeah. of organize it through friends. And then I just chickened out, didn't go to the mall. <laughs> and then she called my house and I hid like under my bed, probably literally. <laughs> my mom couldn't find me. And then I never returned her calls or anything. Jennifer Garner was her name. Jennifer Garner, like the actress? You know, gardener I think okay that. okay and then uh she dumped me oh no of course mm -hmm. like you know like what else you're gonna do but and i that, think yeah that was my only girlfriend until later on but yeah i think everybody has a mole story of like an early boyfriend or girlfriend because that's the only place you can go to hang out with your friends up to a certain age right yeah. and mine in grade seven i start through msn my friend who I had met at like some like Catholic kids camp, he was like, Justin Sanderson. Mm -hmm. He was like, do you want to be my girlfriend on MSN? And I said, yes. And then he said, okay, do you want to go and meet me and my friends at the mall? So I said, sure. And then me and my friend Vicky went to the mall. We were on the top level. Him and his buddies were on the bottom level. And then I go, Vic, I can't do it. I can't do it. So then she yells to the bottom level, Alex wants to break up with you. And then we just ran away down the wow. opposite section of the mall. That's got to hurt more than anything. We became very, very close friends, like very good friends for the rest of our school. But uh, yeah, it was like pretty brutal. I remember once I was in grade 10 mm -hmm. and that's the age when people start making out and fooling around <laughs> a little bit. I was terrified. It's the last thing I wanted to do. I wasn't hitting puberty, but I still, I looked really good before I hit puberty. Right. So I knew I was a bit of a catch, which actually worked against me because people, I couldn't hide because people actually had crushes on me and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was hanging out with my other friend. He went to a different high school than me. Okay. But I, he, it started out like, let's just hang out. I was like, okay, but we go to this house and I'm like, uh-oh, this is a girl's house. Mm -hmm. There's a girl there and there's, he's got a girl. And he goes, I want you to meet this other girl. Her name was Jen. I'm like, oh, no, this is a setup. <laughs> so they have me and Jen sit on a couch. Then they leave the room uh -oh. and lock the door. Oh, that's awful. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm just, we're watching like a cartoon. And I'm like so quiet. And then I'm just like fixated on the cartoon. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I'm shaking. And she looks at me and she goes, you want to make out? <laughs> and I don't the know. What to, I go, no, thank you. <laughs> 
And then she she tried some sort of move. Like maybe she's like, oh, he's shy. But maybe if I do yeah, like yeah. the head nod thing. And I get up. I got so scared. I started banging <laughs> on the door. And I go, help. Help. <laughs> like I'm trapped. <laughs> and I knocked. And I started like getting so scared and knocking, knocking, knocking. And then they opened the door. And then I ran out of the house. You know, okay. I feel so bad because I was on the other side of that. So mm. I had locked my friend in a room with some we didn't lock them in but we shut the door on them and left in an attempt to set them up right Mm -hmm. and like that's so problematic for so many reasons but at the time it's like we're all trying to peek in and like the little slit underneath the door being like "Ooh, are they gonna kiss and they just kind of looked at each other we're like our friends are idiots Mm -hmm. and just chatted luckily they were both good people but what if somebody was an asshole and that happened you know what I mean? Like that could actually be pretty scary. Yeah, of course. I feel like but, such a dunce, yeah. But what happened to me was rumor broke out that I did this. Uh, and it just made other girls want me more. Because <laughs> okay. then I what was a problem. like, I just, it was. Because I was terrified. And it made it seem like I was the hardest guy to get ever. Mm-hmm. And then grade 11 or 12-ish hit and I hit puberty and I became... Like, it just, I look totally different all of a sudden. Do boys, is that when boys hit puberty? No. I would say much younger. Yeah. Some in grade nine. I was just very late. Bloomer, mm-hmm. I was 5'3 up until halfway through grade 10, I was 5'3. Oh, wow. You know, and I had, I was like a, like I had like a good shot in basketball and stuff <laughs> and everything changed all of a sudden. I broke out with so much acne. My nose grew, every, everything just kind of changed a little bit. And then I didn't have that problem anymore. See, you remind me a lot of my dad in that regard because Mm -hmm. all of his high school stories are very similar to yours because he was like good looking, great basketball player on every sports team, a lot of girls going after him, but he just wanted to like go and ride his bike to different sports events and, you know, play games. Yeah. And that's all he wanted to do. And then all these girls would go after him, rumors would start. And then finally in grade 12, he was going to prom, I guess, and it was like the first week of school and he goes and he asks like the most popular girl because his buddies are pushing him because he was like the most popular guy. So he asks the girl to the prom at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh my God, John, yes. And then he didn't talk to her at all for the rest of that year, avoided her day before prom, goes, so are you still good for tomorrow night? And she like flipped out on him, got so mad. And then he just goes, yes, I am. And then they went to prom together. And uh, my grandmother, my Bobcha's mom, had their prom picture was like my dad and his buddy and then the girls in her house until the day she died. But she had cropped out the girls. So it was just my dad and his buddy in their like 80s prom attire. That's funny. Yeah, but totally similar to you. And then she ended up uh, being his hairdresser later in life. (laughs) (laughs) Him and my mom. Wow. Gave my mom a questionable cut too. Oh, geez, the ultimate revenge. Is, does your mom get jealous? I think she was upset after mm-hmm. her bad cut. Wow. Yeah. 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 But. To me, yeah, bullies and women being interested in me were the two most terrifying <laughs> things that could ever happen. <laughs> I think bullies more, but still, the other thing was so terrifying. Mm-hmm. And those are two things that happened to me a lot where bullies would chase me like out of a teenage film like actually be after me and calling me what? like the f word all for the time. what just for existing kind of thing i think or? being uh 
like I don't know. I was smaller framed, mm-hmm. so that that got in, and like it, some girls liked me, and so that makes it you target. Like it's not like I was Johnny Football and yeah. had this like big body. It was more like Timothy Chalamet tiny body. <laughs> yeah, picturing you as a Timothy type is really funny to me. Yeah, I'm not that now, obviously, but this was like pre development. And then, yeah, it just, it, and I was bullied a ton, like mm-hmm. a ton, all through elementary school, high school. So unlike your dad, I was popular in a very different way. Yeah. Like not in a athletic way. Mm-hmm. You know, bull, like, I feel like every single person knows what it feels like to be bullied, even if it's just within your own group of friends. Because there's always a time, at least some point in your life, where you are the butt of the joke unbeknownst to you or whatever and I'm like kind of still nervous around the girls that bullied me in high school for no reason right and one of them I she goes to the same place I'm going now to get my hair done I haven't seen her there but every time I go in I'm like a little bit nervous and I do a quick Mm -hmm. look around the place and I like go through my head what I'm gonna say or like how I'm gonna act you know what I mean yeah it sticks with you but I find all the people who bullied me like me now i okay so some of the girls that were in this group that bullied me follow me on social media and comment on my stuff you're peeking alex well the one the meanest one isn't Mm. and she's the one that's always at the hair place but it's all right i'm I'm practiced in front of the mirror once a week i'm ready i'm ready when the time comes to say all the things that i left unsaid well, I think, you know, we've yammered on about bullying and babes <laughs> for long enough. Should we go to this interview? Yes, absolutely. Let's talk to Dr. Chelsea. Well, before we do that, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. It's a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Kids and babies? Oh, my goodness. What about women? It is now a women's clothing company. They just came out with the M and West collection. So this collection is the same simplicity that you love from Mini Miosh. Everything is made out of French terry. I'm in my sweatsuit like literally every day of the week. And everything is still ethical and sustainable. I like that. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity. And they make just the best basics that you can get your hands on. Everything is soft, comfy, timeless, like such high quality. It can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. And Shane, I'd say the same about my sweatsuit. Well, the gender for men and women seems to be just women, not to complain. Well, your muscles might be too big to fit in it if that Mm, makes you feel any better. I like that. (laughs) Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. You can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're going to get 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. It is one use per customer. So load up that cart. And again, that is minimiosh.com and This Family Tree 15. And now let's get to our interview with Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am so good. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm, I'm doing it good today. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel if I'm uh, getting what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's It's been a heck of a day for me here. And um, I know you're in the third trimester pregnancy. So every day, I've done two of them, and every day in the third trimester felt like that. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a doozy, but I'm hanging in there and I'm happy to be speaking with you today. <laughs> Good for you. Well, I am so happy to be speaking with you today. I've been looking forward to it for quite some time. And I want to start off by saying congratulations on your pregnancy. I know you're nearing the end of it now. But like many others, I saw your morning mindfulness with Jennifer Garner. Oh, yes. When you gave her the onesie saying you're going to be an auntie. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That was so sweet. Yeah, that was a that was a really sweet moment. So thank you. Thank you for the well wishes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I kind of want to start there because, you know, I kn know you as a Peloton instructor. I got my Peloton during the pandemic, like I think thousands and thousands of other people. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for it. And clearly during the pandemic, I know you stayed so busy. I want to talk about that those more, uh, mindfulness sessions that you did with Jen Garner, because I think the people that don't have Peloton, that is how a lot of people kind of came to know you. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, it started that moment that we all had that I think that we experienced collectively, globally, of going through something we had never in our lifetime experienced. And that was the start of the global pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I remembered, you know, feeling quite isolated. My husband, Shane, and I actually... <laughs> That's, you know, well, I'm switching it right now. That's my husband's <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm out, but yeah, no, I saw that when I, when I was, you know, like looking about your pregnancy and everything. I was like, another Shane? I don't hear that that much. I love it. Yeah. Yes. And so we actually moved to New York right at the beginning of the pandemic, March um, 14th, to start a new job, a new life. And, you know, it was a time that was so uncertain. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer actually found me um, through, you know, someone who suggested that she find out who I was. So this was actually even before I launched on the Peloton platform. And so we were um, scheduled to have a conversation together and that opportunity actually didn't happen, but she, and that was only supposed to be one moment in time. And she was just so adamant about us still doing it, regardless of if we had that particular platform or not. And then what would, should have been just one day turned into a five day meditation series with her. And then people loved it so much that we continued it once a month for two full years. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. amazing. But like I put myself in the headspace I was in at that time. And I mean, I know I'm not alone. I have different chats with different girlfriends and we were all looking for things like that. The whole mm -hmm. world was looking for just comfort and peace. And yes. you, you guys brought that to such a degree, like it was a beautiful experience. I'll tell you, you, not in a million years could you have told me that I was going to be meditating, you know, monthly and even develop a beautiful friendship with Jennifer through that. Um, I think that it was a very humanizing moment. It's a humanizing experience to meditate together because, you know, we have these different identities and lives that we live outside. But when we come to the mat, when we, you know, just allow ourselves to be together, 
you know, in the form of meditation or whatever that may be, it is a very humanizing experience. And so that's what I thought was so beautiful about how it organically blossomed into this friendship to this day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you mentioned, you're like, you would never have convinced me, you know, that I would ever be doing this and that I'd ever be into meditation. And I want to talk about your background. So you are obviously a yoga instructor. You're a very mm-hmm. well-known one. And yes. you have your doctorate in education. Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. It's an educational study. So I'm actually a former elementary school teacher, Alex. I, I'm i a high school teacher. Oh, yeah. wonderful. So you know, so you 100%. know how demanding it can be, how we are pushed into multitasking, how we are, you know, multitasking, not just our responsibilities, but also the different learners that we have within the um, the school or in our classroom. And so I started practicing yoga because it was a way for me to really get grounded, to not feel as fragmented and disconnected. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> I put her to bed an hour and a half ago. <laughs> I love it. Talk about multitasking. This is my I love it. <laughs> no, my husband, we're filming a TV show right now, and my husband uh-huh. is currently on set. And okay. I'm single parenting these two kids right now. And Hello. all week, Lucy, would you like well, to say hi? I guess you can't hear me because you have your headphones on. Hi. Okay, sweetie, can you please go to bed? I'll come tuck you in after, okay? You can read. <laughs> okay, you can you can wave better then if you want. One more time and then you got to go to bed. Okay. This is Lucy. You hi, Lucy. She said hi. You can say hi, Chelsea. Hi. Okay, go to bed. Please tell Lucy I love her tiara. I love it. <laughs> She's I'm, sleeping in it. <laughs> Hey, I'm taking notes, Lucy. <laughs> oh my god, I, I could have a book full of them for you, Chelsea. But I'm I'm so sorry about that. This was not supposed That's okay. to. Go on. <laughs> no, this, listen, this is parenthood. That's why I said, give me the preview. Let me know. Oh so yeah, so <laughs> I was an elementary school teacher. I love children, and it's like I knew that I wanted to be present for them. And yoga happened to be that thing to support me and being more present for them. And so I started to introduce the things that I was learning in my yoga classes at night or on the weekends and started to integrate it into the classroom. And so I taught for about seven, eight years. It was eight years. That's amazing. <laughs> Sometimes I get, it gets very fuzzy. And I decided that I wanted to, um, to look into it more. And so I applied for this PhD program in educational studies at Emory University and co-created this um, trajectory for, you know, learning how yoga impacts how we learn, process, and share information. No, I just, I just want to say because, so you were integrating yoga into the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I know that that is becoming a bigger thing, but I mean, the people implementing it are not yoga mm-hmm. instructors, mm-hmm. but even mindfulness, like, Lucy starts school since she's here. I'll use her. I'll use her. But she starts school in September, junior kindergarten. And Mm -hmm. even in junior kindergarten, they're implementing daily mindfulness where they have guided meditations. And it's such a radical thing, especially if I think of what it was like when I went to school. Yes. I love the radical change. And I think it's amazing. But how, how does it affect the minds of students? 
Absolutely. So that was a way, you know, I was in a school that was very structured, that was very like top down, very, um, you know, it was direct instruction for a moment. That was one of my experiences. And then I had an experience where I was in a constructivist school, where we were creating the conversation, we were creating, you know, not even using textbooks and all of that. And so what I found was that, yeah, you needed to have these opportunities for students to embody exactly what it was that they were learning, as opposed to just sitting in these desks, just expected to sit still and learn. But instead, they have can't energy. sit still. Lucy's, for those who can't see this, Lucy's jumping on the couch behind me, and I don't know what to do because I'm the only parent here tonight. So, Lucy, Listen, me and Dr. Chelsea are talking about how little kids have a tough time staying still. And you're having a tough time falling asleep right now, right? Mm. So listen, you can stay here and you can lie down, but you have to be quiet and you can't jump on the couch. Do you understand? No giggling. Okay? Chelsea, give me the word if she is distracting. I don't know what else to do, okay? (laughs) Totally okay. This is the first time this has ever happened, by the way. (laughs) I've been doing this podcast for two and a half years. This has never happened to me. So, Lucy. Lucy knows. She's like, Dr. Chelsea, she's like, hey, she gets me. She knows I can I can get away with this and move. No, like I have I've nursed babies on the podcast, but I've never Uh had one causing trouble behind me. That's all right. It's okay with me. It's okay with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as, but Lucy, what did I say about jumping? Seriously, seriously, okay? I'm going to put you in the crib, in the old baby crib. No. Okay, then you have to be quiet. Okay. Dr. Chelsea, I'm so sorry. Please, yeah, honestly. It's okay. It's okay. <sighs> okay. Lucy, what did I say about talking? My child care got COVID yesterday. Oh, so this is, yeah, that's this is a perfect. <laughs> Listen, you know, Alex, that is what, for me, what yoga teaches us, you know, it's like when all of the things are moving around us and that moment where we want to, you know, have the control over it. And sometimes the only thing that we have control over is this breath right now. And so if that is what it is, to me, that is a huge win to just be able to say, you know, what? things are moving around me, but I'm going to stay grounded in this moment and just be present. And yes. She's moving around and we're still going to have this conversation. Okay. But that, that resonates so hard with me, honestly, what you just said. So mm-hmm. like listeners of this podcast know, because I talk about it, I used to practice yoga when I was in university. So that's like going on 15 years now, a long, like honestly a lifetime ago compared to what I'm doing now. And it was good. And I was good. Like I didn't start off good. I am not um, like I can't stretch. I mm-hmm. am not graceful and I feel like you need a lot of those things to do yoga well or like to be a good yoga yogi. Yeah. And I was not at first. And I became okay, like good for me. Yeah. But I haven't done it in so long and I wanted to talk to you about the mindfulness that yoga brings because honestly like sometimes I feel like I am going to lose my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. it is with my partner, with my kids, with myself, because motherhood brings on so many emotions. Like right now I'm weaning my youngest who's two Mm -hmm. and that's like a whole flood, like your body stops um, producing prolactin because you're not producing milk and then you're not getting that oxytocin from breastfeeding. 
And it's really, really impacting how I feel. And I yeah. want to bring some of the tenets of yoga and mindfulness back to my life to help me kind of not not like survive mentally, but you know what I mean? To assist mm-hmm. me and be a tool in my toolbox. And I know there right. are so many other women and I hear from them every day through this podcast, through my online account, who feel the same way. And I was hoping, since this is your forte, can you give me some advice, give me some tools that will help me? Yeah. Well, first of all, letting go of perfection. That was my number one, you know, lesson that I'm still learning where I think that I've done all the preparation. I've done all of the things that I think that it's supposed to be the certain way. And then all of a sudden something changes and the, the agenda is switched around. And so for me, yoga has definitely taught me to let go of perfection. Even with what you were um, talking about, about saying that, you know, you weren't the best when it came to stretching or, you know, flexibility, all of that. I always let my students know that that is not the prerequisite. You know, the biggest prerequisite is the flexibility of our mind in order to open ourselves to even see yoga, experience yoga in a way that we may have thought or misinterpreted or have been fed these images that yoga is supposed to look a certain way. Sometimes yoga looks like being present with ourselves, taking a walk. Those walking meditations, just allowing yourself to be present with the earth. I think that nature is a great way to show us how to let go of perfection and the beauty that even exists in that. I think that, you know, we can learn a lot from nature. And I speak about it in my classes a lot, the both end of embracing, you know, the the hard parts, what we have done to the earth and nature, what we are aware of, and also those moments that are really if we are actually present for them. And so to me, our yoga practice can be that embodiment of what we experience in nature. And we all know that that is not ever perfect and it's quite unpredictable. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, you said like yoga is hard to sometimes see if you could belong in it. Mm -hmm. And I like I found that when I first started right? I kept with it, but I definitely found that. And then when I started to practice again, like more recently, Lucy, honey, you need to sit down. It was in my pregnancy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started off by going to just like an old yoga class that I may have done when I was mm-hmm. in my 20s. Mm-hmm. But I was like a pregnant, heavily pregnant woman. And I did, first of all, I did not look like the women in class. And then I could not practice like the women in the class. And then I started going to like, you know, yoga for pregnant women classes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was a world of difference. But I do find, like I talked to my mom because I'm like, yoga would be so great for your body as you age, like, you know, different joints and things like that. And she's so hesitant because I think of when you picture the people that you're doing yoga with. Yeah. It's sometimes uh, – I think when you think of body image and things, it can sometimes be a difficult thing to wrap your head around. Yeah. What would you say to like somebody like my mom? Yeah. First of all, you don't always find your teacher or your community or that practice love at first sight. So it's just like anything else. Like my first class was a hot yoga class. I fainted in that class. Hot yoga may not be the thing for me all the time. I ended up finding out that it actually was counterintuitive to, you know, my body composition, which 
folks who are familiar with Ayurveda, mm-hmm. I was like Pitta. And so I was very fiery. So it was actually agitating everything about me. And so I was like, well, let me try something that's a little bit more cooling or flowing. So restorative yoga, like vinyasa flows, things like that. The same thing with teachers. You may walk into your first yoga class and there's not a resonance with that teacher who who you're with. And my particular teaching style is one that is with that at front of mind because I too walked into many yoga classes and didn't necessarily feel included, didn't necessarily feel like I was being represented, whether it was through the advertisements or the teacher. So I think of something that my friend and colleague Octavia Rahim once said, and she said, when I create my yoga classes, I do it so that my mother would feel comfortable going to these classes. Mm -hmm. And essentially that is what is in the back of my mind as well. I want, you know, my, the students with whom I worked in the to feel comfortable. I want, you know, my neighbors, my, my friends, folks to feel seen and represented. I want people to feel empowered and not defeated whenever they leave one of my yoga classes. So I would say to folks who may not have that first moment to be patient, to start to look out there at the different opportunities to practice yoga with different teachers and different styles. No, I, I think I think that is so important. Okay, you mentioned hot yoga. Chelsea, I got <laughs> literal flesh-eating disease from hot yoga. Oh my I, God. I have a hole in my leg. So it's covered by a layer of scar tissue. But then uh-huh. the muscle underneath, like it's right on my calf and the layer of muscle there is gone. And you can just kind of like poke the scar <laughs> tissue and just wow. feel much like in there. Yeah. It is so gross. I was in the hospital pumped up on so much. Lucy pumped up on so much medication. They told me it was great that I came in when I did. Otherwise, I may have lost the leg, mm-hmm. which was terrifying. Oh, yeah. But you have to be And careful. that's great that yeah. you actually <laughs> listened, right, to yourself because there are these moments, I think, that whether it's yoga, I think that... <laughs> Dr. Chelsea, I'm, I'm going to just bring her. Okay. And okay. I am so... This will not cut into anything. Don't worry. I will still okay. get you out at the same time. Okay. But I'm going to try to to get her back into her bed. Okay. 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 Right. I'm so sorry. One moment. No problem. You okay. hear me? Yes, I do. I just unmuted myself. Okay. Is this okay? Okay. Yes. Oh, Are you good? I'm well, I mean, this is what I mean. I'm as good as can be in this. Like I've yes. known about this interview with you for ages. Like I've had it in my calendar for like two months and yesterday healthcare gets sick. My husband's shoot like yeah. for, our, for our TV show yeah. got pushed. And my parents went on vacation and my brother went on vacation. And I was like, yeah. I don't know any yeah. nannies. So. And I'm at so any sorry, time, Alice, honestly, like if you feel like if it gets hard, we can also reschedule. No, um, no, no. She's, I told okay. her she's comes back down. I'm taking away the okay. animal, the stuffy I bought for her today. Okay. And I'm going to follow this with a shot of vodka. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Whatever it takes. <laughs> And I was just saying, I was, um, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, because it was on the, when you went to put her down, I was like, oh my gosh, like 
this is this is life because listen, I've never been a parent before. This is about to be a whole new thing for me. And although I've been a school teacher, like they pick the children up and take them home and you know, you get a chance to like regroup and come back the next day, but again, it's that thing about it's both it's the both and. You can say that this is a challenge right now and it's I'm really grateful. You know, like all of that at the same time. And so I, I commend you for <laughs> figuring it out in the moment. I'm taking notes. This is so. what happens when you run a business as a busy mother. But it mm-hmm. happens. And, it, you know, you'll you'll be doing the same thing. And it brings up a good point because you being, you know, a woman who's running your own brand, you are your brand. Uh, you work for another huge brand. And Mm -hmm. you are a yoga instructor, which is like, by definition, somebody who is used to that control, that calm. Do you think that has prepared you uniquely for motherhood? Or do you think that that will give you a good run for your money because you are so used to that control (laughs) and that calm? I think the both and once again, (laughs) I'm definitely going to pull from those toolboxes. Like I think about a lot of things that I've never experienced before. And the first time that I had the first time that I walked into the classroom as a first year teacher and I had all the things planned, all the lesson plans, and it didn't necessarily work that way. And I had to figure out in the moment, like, okay, this is not working the way that I thought. Let me regroup and get creative. And then it may not have been perfect initially, but I came back the next day and I tried again the next week and the next school year. And so that that's an example. My husband, Shane, and I actually run our, this brand together. And it's quite interesting to be, as you know, to be in a partnership in many different ways. And that is something that is new and that we're learning. And now we're adding on this parenthood partnership through it all. And so I think that on the one hand, I definitely have the tools to understand how to navigate things for the first time, especially when it's uncertain. And then on the other hand, I have no idea what's going to happen because I've never been <laughs> before. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny because yeah, so Shane and I run this brand together. And mm-hmm. on the show that is happening right now, the TV show, he runs that brand. And with the TV show, I'm essentially one of the producers on set every day. So we're working together in so many capacities and then coming home and needing to then co-parent. And Mm -hmm. not only that, but be a loving couple and make time for each other outside of all that. And it can get tricky, but I find when we disagree or we have arguments, it's always about business. And it's very rarely about parenting or how we are to each other Mm -hmm. because I think that even through the chaos and like obviously you're getting you've had an insight in my life for what 27 minutes and it is sheer chaos right and there's no slowing down and sometimes it can snowball but you kind of know even through that what is important and what is worth your anger your frustration And also your happiness and your joy. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that's a part of it. I think that the, you know, I always like to quote the yoga sutras and, you know, I make things very practical in real life 
um, when it comes to talking about yoga. And then I always like to bring it back to these texts that were written thousands of years ago. And Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, you know, the first sutra is uh, the yoga begins now. It's not when you get your perfect mat laid out, the perfect yoga outfit, the perfect you know, beautiful, serene space. Now I can practice yoga. The yoga is getting there. The yoga is having all of the support in place so that you can have those moments to yourself or between you and Shane or whatever it may be that brings you joy. And so, yeah, I think that that is a part of it. You're practicing yoga right now. I just watched you practice yoga, Alex. (laughs) Like a dog. <laughs> I, I, I feel very, uh, very cool right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just know, you know, I think the other thing that is missing in yoga spaces a lot because it draws folks who, because of the biomechanics of yoga, because of the ways that we create these beautiful postures, it can attract very serious people mm-hmm. who are perfectionists, who want to get it right, who want to stick the posture. And I think that there is this element that sometimes is missed that I'm still working on. And that's the levity that you can also experience in your practice, the playfulness, what we just learned from Lucy. <laughs> I'm just being like, it's not that serious. You're alive. Relax, ladies. It's just like, you know, so I think that that's also an element that I would love more people to tap into is that playfulness in our yoga practices as well. Well, you know, speaking of the levity, when I put Lucy back in her room, she goes, what's wrong, mommy? I was just trying to make you guys laugh. And it's like... (laughs) I'm like, I'm, I'm mortified, first of all, because I love you. And I'm so excited. I take my business very seriously. And I mm-hmm. like to be professional and have professional interviews. And then did you hear that? I just want to yes. you. Okay, honey. Thank you. And now Lucy, you need to promise Dr. Chelsea that you're going to go back to your room. Okay. Okay. Say I promise. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my God. Okay, but they're cute, right? That's why God makes them cute because they drive you so wild. But I was reading one of your posts on Instagram Mm -hmm. and you spoke about difficulty early in your pregnancy and this is why you gave your baby the nickname. Was it one, two, three? One, two, three. Yes, 123 beats per minute. (laughs) Yes. Okay, and we had – so I have lupus and autoimmune disease and both of my daughters when I was pregnant with them – my antibodies, like my lupus antibodies, crossed over the placenta into the girls, which is very rare, but it can cause a whole slew of problems. And it didn't in the end, but I lived, you know, week to week waiting on results throughout my pregnancy every Mm -hmm. single day, not knowing if there was going to be something wrong. And it was an incredibly, like I have PTSD from it after I gave birth because Mm -hmm. of the stress that it put me through. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any tools. And I would just, I'd cry myself to sleep every night. And then for every second that I was awake, I would just be sick with worry. Like so sick. I couldn't concentrate on work. I couldn't concentrate on my marriage. I couldn't concentrate on myself. I was just sick. And I was curious what you did. If anything, maybe you didn't, maybe you cried yourself to sleep, but I I don't know. But what did you do when you weren't sure if your pregnancy was viable or if you went through any other difficulties, I'm not sure, in your pregnancy? Yeah, well, for sure. The second time around, I mentioned how scary it is to 
Be excited about something excited, you know, especially when you've experienced a loss or a setback or a challenge. And that was that has always been one of the hardest things for me. I often talk about the tragedy of losing one of my closest friends to gun violence in my early 20s. And I remember a time where I realized I was traumatized and my response to trauma was to try to disconnect to not feel anything. I felt that I would be protected if I wasn't aware of my feelings or if I didn't feel, you know, what was happening. And I think that comes back up if you don't have, you know, those tools in place, the resources, the support in place to get you to knowing that that's happening again. And there were moments where I was just like, I don't even know if I want to try this again. I don't want to be disappointed again. I don't want to be you know, so hopeful weeks in, and then it's taken away from me, like all of those conversations in my head and my body, also placing the blame on myself, like, what did I do to make this happen? And then it was just like, actually, nothing. Like, it, you know, the more that I was grounded in the reality, talked to our doctor about it, just understanding, you know, it just it, it's science when you find out that one in four women have actually experienced loss, like that was affirming for me because it made me not feel as isolated. I definitely consulted my therapist. That was someone who, where I would actually, even though I had a therapist, I did that dance of like, not this week, I'll try to do it next week, putting it off because I didn't want to face those conversations. And so it was extremely helpful. Um, It was a tremendous support and guide for me to navigate that time that I was triggered and taken back to another traumatic life event and starting to notice those same patterns. And yoga and meditation were actually those things that helped me feel more connected. And as scary as it was, I had to be, I had to welcome all of the parts of me, the parts that were scared, the parts that were joyful, the parts that were uncertain. I had to do it all. And that's what yoga means. Unite. Woke. All right, Chelsea, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the best bras that you can get your hands on. Do you know how I know? How do you know? I discovered Bravado Designs in this household. (laughs) You did. You changed our life, my life. You needed a bra. I said, I'm going out to get this. You said, really? Why? I said, don't ask any questions. I'll just come back with it. Gave you the bra, and uh, it's been bravado designs ever since. What I loved about that initial nursing bra you've gotten me, and then, you know, any of the ones I had after, was just how practical they are. Like, I fiddle around with those clips. I can't get them to work. Bravado designs, they're just, they're practical, they're easy, and most importantly, they're just so comfortable and made with such quality. Like, I really feel good wearing them. And you want to feel good if you are a new mom nursing. That is not a comfortable spot to be in. Mm-hmm. But now they have come out with their everyday collection. So what? this is not just for nursing mothers. These bras don't have clips. They are for everyday wear. They look great under a t-shirt. And it's the same comfort and quality that you're used to. Tuesday. What? Wednesday. What? Thursday. What are you talking? Oh, uh- every. <laughs> Can you wear it every day? <laughs> yes, yes. What about on a leap year, the February 29th? I think you can, but let me double check my books. But you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, if you use the promo code 
this family tree 20, you're going to get 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and this family tree 20. We are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to this podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprints because with a family with two kids, there's four of us, we are busy people. You produce a lot of waste. We produce a lot of recycling. And Shane, does the majority of that recycling even make it to the recycling plant? I would think so. But according to Google, uh, like 70% if you're lucky. It's 80% brutal. maybe? Yeah, it's brutal. So we are trying to reduce the amount of single-use plastics in our household. And one easy way to do this, like easy and super beneficial way, is switching to True Earth laundry detergent. So we did this about a year ago now, have not looked back. The detergent itself comes in these like pre-measured soluble strips. You just rip them apart, throw them in your wash. It is so easy. It works so well. And the best part, there's no plastic. No plastic and it... You know, it cleans up your laundry room because it takes up so little room. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So they come in these little like cardboard packages. It takes up a millimeter of space, looks great, works so well on your laundry. And because we have kids with such sensitive skin, like Betty gets eczema every two days, we usually use for them the baby detergent because it's fragrance free, gentle on skin, but it's still so tough on dirt. Cures eczema. <laughs> And our clothes come out smelling amazing. Shane and I, we like the lilac breeze or the fresh linen scent. Shane, what do you pick out of those two? I just I just pick either one up. I don't even look sometimes. I just go, and then I say, that smells good. <laughs> so True Earth is truly amazing. You can get it via subscription or one-time orders. And they have so many other sustainable cleaning options on their website, which you should go and check out. You will love this product. Take our word for it. You can check it out at true.earth. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10, you're getting 10% off your order. And again, that's 10% off either your whole subscription or your one-time order. So that's true.earth and this family tree 10. And now let's get back to our conversation. Before I had Betty, my youngest, I experienced a miscarriage at eight weeks. And that, I think, the only thing that helped me was talking and walking, like separately, but talking about it on this podcast to my husband and to my mom. And then just going on walks, like getting my heart rate up, going on jogs. Mm-hmm. And it was so cathartic. Those things were so cathartic. And then I think of the state that I'm in when I'm exercising. I do a lot of Cody Rigsby also rides. Yeah. And I think of the state <laughs> that I get in. And it's a state of focus and fun, especially with Cody. And then I just, I like, I clear, I'm able to clear my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I always come out of a workout feeling just maybe not phenomenal, but at least better than when I started. And that's a powerful thing. Absolutely. And there is actual, you know, research, if you're not aware of it, of the physiological things, experiences that our bodies go through in our state of trauma. And, you know, there has been studies, there have been studies in the wild about when animals are out of danger and they've chosen that fight, flight, or freeze in order to discharge their body, their nervous system going through that trauma, they begin to shake. And because shaking isn't necessarily socially acceptable each and every time we go through a trauma in our society, 
it's like, that is what you're feeling. I, I'm guessing that's what you're feeling when you work out, when you walk, when people tap or fidget. It's an opportunity to discharge and allow our nervous system to set back to its initial state of calm. And that's why I love yoga so much, because it taps into specifically the breath with that movement. So yeah, I want to get to know you, Dr. Chelsea, a little more. And like, why you started this? Were you raised by hippies? Were you raised by people who were very <laughs> in not. tune to their emotions? Because I, I feel like you have to be in tune to your own emotional state mm-hmm. and physical state to yeah. practice yoga. Yeah. Well, I think, okay, I'll take that back. When you just said, were you raised by hippies? When I think about my parents, first of all, I was named after Joni Mitchell's Chelsea Morning. My mother would listen to it every day. We love Joni at the same <laughs> Yeah. So it's just like, mm, maybe, maybe there was a little bit of that. But, you know, you know, the 70s and, you know, I would look at pictures of my parents and I would look at them in the state that they were before they had me and before they met me and before life got super real, you know, and they were quite, you know, adamant about survival. Uh, I was raised in Dayton, Ohio, middle working middle-class family, African-American community. Like life was real through the eighties and nineties and still is very real. And I think about how serious that made my parents. And I think that, when I actually grew up in that, not necessarily conservative, but very, um, again, serious about you're going to go to school, you're going to go to college, you're going to do these things so that you can be successful. And I appreciate that because I definitely wouldn't be where I am right now. But I think that there was something that happened when I was able to go out and see the world and I left home. And I think that what I notice about children sometimes through my research and through my experience as a school teacher, it's like this um, every other year or like you'll see a parent who's one way and then you meet their children like, wow, (laughs) they're nothing like them or there's elements of them. And so I think that I wanted to experience life in a very, um, I wanted to understand freedom. And I know that my parents did a lot in order for me to be able to experience freedom And my particular way of experience freedom was through yoga and meditation. It may look different in someone else's life, but I think that it was my upbringing and those elements that I actually did see the best parts of my parents that I saw that I was very interested in. And then it was also part of me who wanted to explore who Chelsea was. And so moving to Atlanta, Georgia, living in New York City, the music that I would listen to, the books that I would read, the nuanced ways of understanding who I was and my identity in this world, that was definitely something that contributed to who I am Mm -hmm. today right now. That was poetic, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) But secondly, I I think that a a lot of people will feel that. Like I come from, you know, my parents, my grandparents were immigrants during World War II from Mm -hmm. Eastern Europe. And came down to Canada and even like they instilled in my parents that who, you know, kind of filters onto me, which is stay in school, work really hard. You come home, you do your homework for two hours. And if you don't have homework, you make homework Mm -hmm. and you're just studying and you got to do really well. You got to be great in this. You got to at least try different things. And a very strict sense of, you know, parents are right. The kids are wrong. But 
I think because of that, it did, for my personality anyway, it allowed me a certain level of success so that I was mm-hmm. able to go and, like you said, find myself. What was I about? What do I like mm-hmm. to do? Mm-hmm. And it was because of that upbringing. And then I struggle sometimes because I'm like, you know, all the parenting books that Shane and I read and all the experts I speak to. And there's a lot of, you know, kids' feelings and things mm-hmm. like that. And how, do, how are your kids feeling? Mm-hmm. I thought I heard a child. Yeah, honey. Okay, don't play with nail clippers, please. Thank you for giving this to me. Okay. Okay. I've never clipped a toenail on the podcast. I, I gotta like I gotta send Dr. Chelsea a gift after this, Lucy. Go back up to bed, please. I just clipped a toenail on the podcast. Oh my god. Oh my god, this week needs to end. <laughs> but so it's like, you know, all of this and it's if this was me, if this was me as a kid coming down, interrupting my parents' work, oh, yeah. like they'd be they'd be loving, but they would be super firm. And to be honest, like I don't have it. I, I have it in me in some regards, but I don't have it in me entirely. And I know my grandparents definitely, I mean, they would have laid a hand on a bottom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. a part of me struggles because then I'm like, am I affording her the same freedom that I had because of the difference in structure sometimes? Or And I like I have good structure. I'm, I'm pretty strict with certain things, but there is more freedom mm-hmm. in her childhood. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine that through the parenting of her and your other baby, another girl, yeah, Betty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucy and Betty, yeah. yeah, Lucy and Betty, that you are noticing how to even parent yourself, or you're noticing how to be a little bit softer with yourself and a little bit more patient. That's my hope for myself. Like, that's what even through this pregnancy, I'm learning to parent myself all over again. And I think the most beautiful thing about parenthood or any kind of like student teacher relationship is when the student becomes the teacher or, when, you know, my mother is at every single one of my yoga classes live digitally. And to know that my mother, you know, you know, and then in a way it's this trust that you had in your parenting that you say, I trust myself so much that I did the best that I could while I was raising them, that I trust who this person has become and now let me learn from them. And so I think that that is the most beautiful dynamic that we can understand. And I hope that I experience with raising my own child and in the reparenting of me through it. Yeah. And have you thought about that? Like how you ideally, because you say so many things. I said so many things. Like I would go shopping, grocery shopping, see a toddler having a tantrum in the grocery store. And I'm like, Never will that be my kids. Yet sometimes it happens. And I'm curious, like, have you thought about how you're going to parent and kind of what tenants that are important fundamentally to you that you want to bring into your parenting? Yeah, well, Alex, I'm, I don't want to keep talking about what we just experienced just now. <laughs> but I mean, that was, a real, that was a real moment to where, like, I felt myself like I felt this flush of heat come over me because I was just like I was thinking of you and I was like I hope she knows that this is okay with me. <laughs> and you're and so gracious, there, honestly. <laughs> then there was a moment when you went off and I was just like, oh my gosh, because I think I was seeing myself in this moment. I was like, oh my gosh, how will I handle this when I know this will definitely happen happen to me one day? 
And I'm having patience for you. And so I hope I remember when it comes my time that I have patience for myself in it because I see the bright light that's in Lucy. And I heard her when she said, I just wanted to make it. Well, when you just told me, I just wanted to make you laugh. But I heard her when she said, I just want to come and give you a hug. It's just like, how dare I not take this moment to be present with this child right now? And so that's what I saw. I saw me and you in that relationship because I think we do have very similar, we work with our partners. We, you know, are parenting with our partners. We're having business with, we live, all those things. And I'm just like, this is probably going to happen one day. And so I hope that I offer the amount of grace that we see in each other to myself when those moments happen, because it's it's a moment. Like when we get off of here, it's going to be like, okay, it's over now. It wasn't the end of the world. Let me shake it out. Let me go do a yoga class. Let me go laugh at Cody, like whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, we set ourselves to say, and I survived that. And so I'm going to let you know, Alex, in a couple of years, when these moments come up for me, like how I how I got through it. No, we, we are checking back in when that baby comes up because I want to know. <laughs> and I do want to learn more from you when that happens, you know. Because I do feel like, and this is what I love about podcasts, I love sitting down with somebody long form and being able to just have a free-flowing conversation. And I do my podcast very loose. I have like only a couple point forms like on my phone that I keep. And then I just, I like things to flow. And I like to be able to ask what questions come to mind when I do. And then I feel like I, I leave with a like, I've never met you. I've never spoken to you. <laughs> and I feel like I'm leaving when I do like with a deeper connection or sense of bonding. And I think that it's so beautiful because it shows, and I hope the listeners get this, that you can make that connection with literally anybody. You know what I mean? And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's amazing. But what you said about being gracious with yourself, and mm-hmm. that is something that I have been trying to work on because things, things get to you. And with life being as chaotic as it is, and when, you know, you are running your own business and putting food on the table, getting kids, you know, the childhood that you want them to have Mm -hmm. that costs money. It's hard. It costs time and time is the most valuable thing. Mm -hmm. And I I lose patience with myself. I lose patience. I try not to, but sometimes I lose patience with the kids and it's so hard and it's so hard. And I'm so happy to give grace to anybody else, have patience with anybody else. But then when it comes to yourself, it's awful. And then I'll feel like shit. And then I get surrounded in mom guilt and everything. And I'm just trying to say, okay, get out of here with all that. F that. It does me no good. It does my family no good. does my kids no good. There's no place for it on the plane I'm trying to operate on. But it does creep in. You can say fuck it all you want, but it does creep in. Right? Yeah, because we're human. And it's going to remind us of that each and every time. And again, it's the both end. And it's the the embracing, the the joy, the suffering, the pain, the challenges, the moments of hope, the moments, you know, 20 years from now, looking back and saying, oh, I remember this thing and now she's a grown woman. And, you know, like it's just like, 
cherish these moments now for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. Even as I move through this, these pregnancy, this pregnancy, it's like I hear people all the time or people will come up to me. I remember when I was pregnant. Oh, I miss being pregnant. And right now I'm just trying to get up the stairs and I'm like, whoo, when is this about to, you know, like, and I'm like, and also be pregnant, Chelsea, because you know that this is a miraculous moment that you may hope to experience again. So mm-hmm. gotta stay present. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But also I think give space for the feelings too, when things yeah. are challenging. Um, because I find that when you ask for people for advice, it's always one end or the other. Yes. All of that can live together, right? And the last thing I want to ask you is, has pregnancy fundamentally changed you in any way? Or maybe it – I don't know where she got pasta. Or did it not change you? Like, do you still feel the same or do you feel like there has been kind of an intrinsic um, shift (sighs) I got pasta from the dining room. Okay, honey. Go eat it in peace. I'm, I'll be there shortly, okay? There has definitely been a change. And I feel that change in the kindness that I even show my own body. For example, I can remember before being pregnant, like going through the day and saying, looking up and saying, oh, I didn't eat today at 3 p.m. Or Shane reminding me, you haven't eaten today or, you know, in some way taking care of myself. And now how I mentioned about parenting myself now through this, it's like I wouldn't dare deprive this growing body inside of me of a meal because I'm like, oh, I'm taking care of somebody other than myself. Now, I could probably talk to my therapist about this, <laughs> you know, make sure that this is healthy for me to say I got to do it for this person. But I got to do it for myself. And when I start to, you know, rewire how my brain is taking care of my growing son inside of me, I'm also reminding myself that, no, Chelsea, you're also taking care of yourself. And so I'm definitely being more mindful of the ways that I have neglected myself. And I hope that that carries on once he's earthside, because I know that parents can sometimes neglect themselves in the raising of children. And I want that piece of me to still be in place so that it's an example for him and any child to come to love, embrace, and take care of themselves. So that has been a shift within me. That's beautiful. And honestly, I don't know how you remain so eloquent with this knucklehead in the back. But that that is so important, honestly, because it is so easy for parents to forget themselves or know what they need, but then not not do that. Not do Lucy, are you okay? Okay, come sit with me, honey. We're gonna sit still for a second, okay? We're gonna say goodbye to Dr. Chelsea. When I choked, my nose feels funny. I know, that happens. Come here. Come here, honey. Come here. She knows you're here. There's no hiding now. No, I, I, it is so important. Because look, like Lucy's, Lucy's choking on spaghetti that she found somewhere. And, you know, I know that after this ends, I still have five things on my to-do list. After yeah. I get her to bed. Yeah. I still have five things to do. And it's like, well, then when am I taking a moment to take a breath? to take a bath, to shave my freaking legs. They look awful right now. (laughs) And it's it's so hard, but it is so necessary because I think so many of my conversations come to the conclusion of, you know, if you are not 
taking care of yourself and you are not whole, then what can you be for the people around you, including right. your kids, right? right. But right. Chelsea, honestly, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm mortified. Thank you so much. I love you for this, honestly. I love you. And I love to witness, to bear witness to parenthood. Seriously. But where can listeners go to find the most elo eloquent, gracious, patient <laughs> woman? Where can they go to follow along with your journey, to check out your workouts, everything? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Chelsea Love Yoga on Instagram, on social, um, as well as my website. Um, that's a place where you can contact me if you ever want to do more work with me. But if you'd like to practice with me, I'm on Peloton and you do not need the equipment for that. So you can subscribe just with your smartphone and I practice and I teach and I do live and on demand so you can have me at any time. And I think, I, I just got to say, I think <laughs> that you being so patient through this interview is going to be the biggest selling feature of why people <laughs> need to go and work out with you. <laughs> I also offer sleep meditations on the platform and children actually really love the sleep meditation. So maybe, you know, what we're maybe, doing tonight. yeah, there's some 30 minute ones on there. There's some to try so yes that's amazing <laughs> dr chelsea thank you endlessly i cannot thank you enough for coming on with me today i was already excited just to speak with you and now i'm leaving this just in awe but really thank you so much and it was so thank lovely you. meeting you thank you for having me thank <laughs> you. Bye, Lucy. Bye. do you want to say goodbye dr chelsea you got to put your head up look, look not just your <laughs> Good job, Alex. I held it together. I held it together through everything. So thank you. I felt really good at the end of that. But Chelsea like gets all of the credit, all of the praise in the world for being so kind about that. And just like a super wonderful person to talk to. I want her back on when she has kids. And I want the same thing to happen, but to her. Revenge. Well, not really. Just just so, you know. Equality. Bond. Bond. <laughs> Speaking of bond. Yes. Let's bond over some questions that listeners have asked that you're going to answer. All right, let's do it. So the first question in our mailbag segment, and again, this is like our favorite segment of the podcast. We get to know you a little bit. But the person wants to know, how do you get the relationship back after having your firstborn? Do you ever <laughs> start a podcast, have deep conversations once a week? Um, yeah, it's so hard. Your life is changing so much, especially for you, the mom, like, like way more than it is for the dad because you have just gone through so much. It's likely you doing the majority of the parenting. But do you want it back? Do you really want that relationship you had before the kids where you're maybe going out too much, maybe you know, getting, having hangovers more, acting a little bit irresponsible. Maybe you do. Well, thing is, maybe I, you don't. There could be a happy balance. And I think it's elements of that relationship, right? So what Shane and I did in like the pandemic really helped us get into certain habits. Just bring back a date night. Honestly, if you don't, it is going to be so easy to just not make any time for each other. It is so easy. 
And what we learned in the pandemic too, if you're not in the luxurious position to have in-laws mm-hmm. or parents who can look after your child, you can have the day night at right in the home mm-hmm. just when they're sleeping. Yep. And oh, yeah. You know, we had like we had so many good ones. Honestly, we'd order food from like a nice restaurant, pop open a bottle of wine, sit on the front porch and have like the best time, follow it up with some what's the show? The date, newlywed game. The newlywed yeah. game. So much fun. Newlywed game is very fun to just put on an old YouTube episode, grab a pen and a paper, and play along with the, the episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just silly fun. And one thing that I love that this game kind of instigates is certain conversations that make you really feel romantic for your partner and they're conversations you might not necessarily have naturally like thinking about your first date or the first time you guys got you know did whoopee or that really funny vacation memory you have and then before you know it you're sitting there laughing about all these amazing times you've had together and then it takes you out of the place of being an exhausted new parent and puts you back in that mindset of like, oh, you know, these are the feelings that I was feeling, the attraction I was feeling to you when we were first together. And you're feeling that all over again. And I think it works every single time. Like that's for me, such a surefire way to kind of create feelings of intimacy and love. What color was the shirt I was wearing on my first date? Ooh, that's a good newlywed. Was it like a grayish blackish t-shirt? No? no? What were you wearing? Green tank top. A green tank top, of course. Of course. You knew that? Well, because you told me. Did you not tell me that in the text? You're like, I'll be there in the green tank top and the uh, the cornrows? No. Or I the was, eyeliner? I was just joking about that. <laughs> I know you were. You didn't know I was joking. Though. I didn't know you were joking, but I was still game. I'm a jokester. Still am. <laughs> Um, and then what would the other thing schedule intimacy and actually treat it like something you can't put off like a job truly do that do the job treat it like a job but again so easy to pass by unless you actually intentionally make the effort but I find that you have to be very intentional about about everything in that regard next question Somebody wants to ask, they're asking, can you talk about yours and Shane's love story? I heard you guys got engaged after six months, which we did. We've been over this, but new listener. So do you want to give them the Coles notes? Met on Tinder, not directly through your cousin, who after me and your cousin matched, she said, I have someone better for you. It was you, Alex. We had met... (laughs) Before that, though, when I directed a music video, I was in a previous relationship, so we weren't allowed to do it. So we let <laughs> we let five years go by. Your cousin set us up. We had a great first date and then shortly fell in love after that. And then six months later, we were getting married or engaged. Engaged and then married at like the one year anniversary, basically. Yeah. And now we're still together. And how many years has it been? We just had our sixth wedding anniversary, and we've been together for seven years. It's pretty uh, damn good. There you go, Tinder. It works. Taking <laughs> on thinking about our days gone past, but my longest relationship prior to this was three years. So this is like so surpassed that. Yeah, mine was probably four. Yeah, it's amazing. We're doing great, babe. I want to say. Next question: At what stage in a relationship do you do a face-to-face breakup? There's an article about how a man from Sydney had 
uh, on his hand a reminder to send a breakup email. So it's funny because I read this email. Obviously, the person that wrote this in gets the same news algorithm that I do. Did you see this? No. Okay, so there's a guy like asleep on a metro or a train or something in Sydney. And he had written on his hand, like scrawled, messy in pen, send breakup email. And he's like drunk from a night out or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So then a woman takes a picture of his hand and now it's all mine. It went viral. So everybody was like bashing him like, okay, that's horrible. He probably did something he regrets or something wrong. And now he has to break up with somebody, but he's going to do it via email. First of all, I just, I find breaking up via email is so weird because it's so impersonal. Like if you're not going to do it face to face, I think a text or a call makes way more sense. Have you ever done an email breakup? No. I don't even think I've emailed anybody I've been involved with other than you. Yeah, I've I really only been in long-term relationships though. So I f- I think you can only do an email breakup if you've been in a relationship for under 3 months. I would say over three dates, it has to be, but also has to do with your connection. But I think if it's like over three dates, you at least got to give them a call. If it's been over a month, face to face. Have you ever written a love letter in an email? Yes. To whom? My my puppy love boyfriend when I was 14. 14, okay. Yeah, we used to send each other love letters like once a day, like very long, like elaborate love letters. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't live in the same city. We only saw each other's in the summer. So then all throughout like the fall, winter, spring. This is like a trailer park? Yeah. yeah. We would uh, just write like elaborate, like gushy, goofy love letters. It was really cute. I tried to find them recently, actually, like a few years ago. And because they were all in a Hotmail account. Of course. And Hotmail got rid of all my emails. Yeah. No, it's the worst. Did you know that? Like, I didn't even know that you could do that. But none of my emails are there. Yeah, it stinks. Anyway, have you written a love letter? Yep. In an email? Yes. Long, quite long. (laughs) A lot of kilobytes or whatever it was. Uh, Where is my email love letter? We talk too much. We're around each other all the time. (laughs) Like, you know, I proof of that is I left the room yesterday you were like, when you leave the room, you have to tell me. Kate, that's not the freaking story, Shane. Don't confuse the listeners. Listeners, that is not what happened. We were going to watch TV. And then Shane did. I never said that. You said that. We were looking for a movie. And then Shane did some work calls. He said that. And then started sending emails. So I was like, okay, like if you're going to start working, can you just tell me? So then I could put something on whatever. You already put something on them. Well, I know. But like after an hour. But. Anyway, that's been a topic of contention today. Yeah, because I don't, when I'm relaxing, I don't want to have to say, I'm going in the other room to check an email. It feels too controlling. You weren't just checking an email, you were watching audition tapes. So? (laughs) Where do you think the audition came from? An email. (laughs) I checked an email that said, Shane, you have to check these auditions before morning. Guys, this is this is life right now. It is incessant. Like people are calling Shane honestly until midnight every night. It's exhausting for me. It's exhausting for Shane, but it's necessary. It's like it's what has to be done right now in order to make this show and in order to make it well. But it's like it's a lot. But you need to give your husband freedom to roam in the house. You need to give me freedom of knowing when I'm going to have some cuddle time with you. I gave lots of cuddles that night. 
You were asleep. I've spoiled you <laughs> with cuddles. That's the problem. All right, next question. Okay. Have you ever had a sliding doors moment and thought just how one thing could change the course of your life? Do you know what a sliding doors moment is? Yeah, if one thing happened differently, mm -hmm. you could, like, when me and you were at my boss's cottage and our car started rolling back, yes. if it had flipped around and smashed or paralyzed one of us, our lives could be different. Or if uh, you didn't cast me in that music video that we did for the Arkells years ago, maybe when my cousin was like, oh, you should date my cousin, we wouldn't have had that instant connection. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a trippy thought because, yeah, there was plenty of other women I could have cast. Mm -hmm. But I liked you. Yeah, that's the thing. And then it's like the second we met officially, five years later, we bonded instantly over that little connection, mm -hmm. right? So that is one interesting thing. I'm trying yeah, to think of anything else. Like anything like really serious. Sliding Doors. Have you ever seen the movie Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow? It's a movie? Yeah. I wonder if I Is that what had, this is about? It could be like, you know, people say it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah. I know the cover of that movie. It's with- is We it, must have it because I, I know the cover yeah. for some reason. Or maybe I have- Ben Affleck in her? Who, who's the guy in that? I don't know. I only know the cover. I wonder if we had both seen that movie if our lives would have been different. <laughs> maybe <laughs> so alex went alex backed up and did a laugh and i was like get closer to the mic and then she goes <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. you drift off the mic i'm not saying you have to laugh into it but. okay next question there was a recent article out there saying that we most likely all have a doppelganger and that we share dna with somebody have you ever met your doppelganger and it's not saying like we share like identical dna to them but just we have way similar dna to them than somebody we just like look similar to i was at a party once and there was another guy who kind of looked like me and this guy this other guy walks up and he goes hey that guy looks exactly like you but the hotter version and then he gets right in my face he goes that sucks <laughs> And it was just so like humiliating <laughs> and I felt bad for like the next five days. <laughs> was this in the face that you were getting bullied? No, this was like <laughs> six years ago. So maybe yes. <laughs> um, that's really funny. I also yeah, remember um, similar but different where I went to a, a party uh, for it was Frank D'Angelo or somebody was having oh, yeah, like a yeah. film premiere and I went and all these like older italian men gathered around me they're like hey this guy's dating this woman and everyone was like talking about how ugly i was I'm like him with her and it became this big thing where i was people were crowding around me and it, it at first it was like how did you get her then it became like a seriously and then it created, okay. like that party yeah. was hilarious i just need to say it was all these like random millionaires and billiards billionaires one who has since been horrifically murdered and it's all yeah. over the news barry sherman yeah they ever um, solved that yet not yet i don't mm. think but it's like it's in the news all the time there's private investigators on imagine it imagine i solved the crime ugly man <laughs> solves crime beautiful wife very proud <laughs> but i gotta say i don't know what it is with these people but italian men love me Hmm, mama mia. I have never had a problem with an Italian man. Do there you, is, what? Nothing. What? I was going to say, do you like Italian sausage? But then I was... <laughs> Shane. <laughs> uh, 
So that party, even though everybody was like, it was you know, a sausage party too, because there was a lot of men. Yeah, there was like no women. Um, but because and they were all just like older and like from the time period where they didn't mind saying mm-hmm. things. But I gotta say, I felt pretty good leaving that party. Yeah, I felt the exact opposite. Of that. <laughs> that was a funny time. Um, one guy like gave me his number, his his business number, and was like. You should, your husband's in film. You should uh, call me and tell me about his films. And he was like some high up for some yeah, production company. It seemed company. like no one was scared that I was going to clock them or beat them up or anything. <laughs> You're Timothy Chalamet. We've already been yeah, over that. I guess. I think Chalamet gets a little bit more respect though. <laughs> he is in Dune. Okay, so my doppelganger, like I haven't, you know, I haven't ever seen somebody that looks a ton like me. But you have a woman that works for you on set right now. She is a part of the art team. Yeah, Amber Heard, yeah. We we have a lot of similarities. And I think it's the fact they're both Eastern European. She's like Russian, I'm Russian-Polish. But our kids were on set the other day. And every time she walked into the room, Lucy would get confused and would go up to her or say, hey, mom, or whatever. And it was like a really funny situation. But this girl and I, it's like... How did she respond when... Because this woman doesn't have children. No, no, no. What she was she say? just kind of like, uh, and like not sure what to do. It was funny. But um, it's like our faces are like kind of similar in the structure, but not entirely alike. But our bodies are like, we have the exact same body type. Mm-hmm. It's really very interesting because I, I think that my body type is interesting also. And uh, it's it's just funny to see somebody like with the exact same, and like we wear the same stuff all the time. Like, we were wearing the exact same outfit on set yesterday. Hmm. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, a black onesie. Oh, I noticed. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We're always I only both have in eyes like... for you. <laughs> you better. You I know... do. I, my eyes don't even... I'm like the Terminator where I can determine who is you and who your doppelganger is. <laughs> like, attracted to this, not this, very similar, not close enough. <laughs> That's all I want in a husband. Yeah. That's not a lot to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's go on to our final questions. Do you ever disagree about what you share publicly? What do you, uh, I don't know. Because you and I, you know, you have your own podcast. We both do this. And then I do um, bloggy type stuff online, right? If it's like a picture where I don't look right, which I never look right in a photo. Yes, I disagree heavily. She's like, you're like my sister. She's like, you look good here. I'm like, let's see it. It's like, Bleh! and I'm like, you know, like my eyes are blinking and I'm like smiling weird. Shane, you have put so many so many i can't even count unflattering pictures of me on social media but it's like shane i don't look good here and you're like yeah i know it's funny or something and you put it out listen some people need to be taken down a notch some (laughs) people need to be taken up a notch i just got ridiculed by 18 italian men telling me i should go home and off myself i need a picture where i look good everywhere you go it's like hey you're beautiful hey beautiful ma'am hey over here beautiful Alex comes home. She's like, I was just driving around and a man said, you are the most beautiful woman in the world. (laughs) When I'm riding around with you, it's like, hey, buddy, kill yourself. (laughs) You don't deserve her. It's it's only ever Italians telling me these things, though. It was in Italian. He had dark hair. He could have been. Okay. Yeah, this happened. This was a thing last week. Yeah. Point is. You're not hurting for a little bit of public exposure or her, like you don't need me to put a really beautiful photo of you up. No, no. But it would be like nice if like once in a while you were like, hey, guys, my wife 
isn't making this like goofy face and standing in a pile of shit because you did post a picture of me making a goofy face and standing in a pile of shit when our basement flooded with shit and I was cleaning it. Yeah, but I might also <laughs> my last couple posts have been only that's true. glamour shots. That's true. That's true. I appreciate that. Well, we'll end it there. Okay. Some some serious love. But folks, thank you so much for listening. Go give us a five-star rating. Give us a comment. We love to hear from you. We'd like to know what you think about the show, what you like about it, what you want to hear more of. But thank you so much for <laughs> Alex is directing you. But points. Thanks for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 141. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs>